0: Covid update coming up on the end of February. Made it through Valentine's Day. Hopefully everyone got out to their favorite restaurant. Um, so this is support your local restaurant month, um, and uh, I think it's okay to do so. The um, bit of a, a bit of a milestone um, next week uh, for those of us in the room here. Uh, and for those of you viewing, it has been two years since we started doing COVID updates. Kind of hard to believe. Um, I look back on it and ask myself, would I have predicted in two years would still be doing these? Um, well, yes and no. Um, it, it's the, whole, the whole pandemic is, um, has played itself out a little bit differently than what I thought it would but generally the time frame is following what I would have expected um, at that time. Pandemics take time, um, all of them in the past have, um, throughout the centuries, and so this one is too. But we are making progress, uh, we're going down the road, um, and every little hiccup or wave or release of a wave is uh, another tick on the uh, milepost as we go down the pandemic. Uh, and um, as things fade into endemicity, um, we will start to uh, be feeling better about it all. And we're on that way. So uh, cases here uh, in the triad, uh, good number to remember, 43 um, per 100,000, Per day is what we're at in Forsyth County. Guilford's 41, and Mecklenburg's 44. So we're all running in the 40s. Um, so the counties to the uh, direct west of us here, and to the north, are a little bit higher, up uh, between 50 and 100. But they have gotten below the 100 mark, which is an important milestone for them. <coughs> so. Um, Hospitalizations continue to decline, albeit more slowly uh, than our case rates, Um, but uh, we're starting to get a little bit of relief in our acute care hospitals. Still have quite a few people, though, with COVID in our hospitals, and it's still roughly uh, around 80 to 85% of them are unvaccinated. Uh, The remaining percentages are people uh, who have uh, serious underlying health conditions or are immunocompromised. So it's, uh, that hasn't changed. Uh, we're still having cluster outbreaks in some of our nursing homes in the area, um, and it's still important for uh, staff uh, to be careful, either getting tested or vaccinated, um, and uh, so we can protect our most vulnerable, which are our aged. <clears throat> Schools and universities are also doing pretty well. Wake Forest University uh, if you take a look at their dashboard, for the last two weeks, um, one to two cases per day out of uh, roughly uh, 10,000 students, faculty, and staff. Uh, so that's not, uh, not bad at all. Um, and their success uh, is attributed to uh, being vaccinated and boosted well up over 90% for everybody. Uh, and it just slowed viral transmission down, even in congregate areas, like if you think about being a virus, where would you want to spread around? You'd want to do it in a dorm room or a dorm. And, um, and even, even with that, um, the cases have been uh, uh, very manageable at Wake Forest. So applause to the leadership at that university and to the students and to the faculty and staff. Uh, for doing everything they needed to do to uh, embark on a very successful spring semester despite a huge Omicron surge throughout January. Um, Our other school systems, K through 12, are doing fairly well too. Case numbers are coming down in our schools. Um, Still kids, uh, the rates are higher uh, than they are in adults, um, but those numbers are starting to come down as well. Um, and uh, that's all good news um, for our kids. While on the subject for kids, um, a little bit of an up and down uh, about vaccination uh, for our kids under the ages of five um, and the research studies about those. So if you remember uh, back in the first part of January, I said it'll probably be April um, before we'll have a vaccine for that age group deployed Um, because we had to go through the studies to figure out uh, dosing intervals and number of doses in order to provide the optimum um, immunity for kids under five. So that's six months through the age of four. Um, And then um, two, three weeks ago, um, there was a a splash of news. Oh, no, we'll have it in February. We're sending the... uh, Data. Pfizer was sending their data to the FDA for the UA. And I said at that time, don't be surprised if it's actually still April. <laughs> and uh, guess what? Now they're saying back to April again. And I want people to understand that this has nothing to do with safety concerns about the vaccine, because it looks great. And the data in that group looked great. But we have to figure out um, uh, when to provide a third dose to to that group and the studies uh, need to complete out because you have to go through the weeks, months to get the third dose in and then you have to analyze it. Um, So that's what's going on right now. So um, vaccines for six months through the age of four, uh, I would predict uh, the end of April. Um, So uh, when you see the tulips, think vaccine for little kids um, and, uh, I think that'd be a significant milestone because it certainly, uh, that's one group of parents, uh, who've been very patient, um, with vaccination. Um, the, uh, a couple other things on the horizon, um, roughly 30 minutes ago, um, press release went out here in Winston-Salem about our citywide mask mandate. I think most people realize that, uh, We've had mandatory mask wearing indoors and um, in, um, at least in public spaces um, now for some time since we're way back in Delta and, um, and uh, so a big milestone for us. Um, we, uh, we have decided that uh, on March 1 um, that uh, the mask mandate for Winston-Salem uh, will be rescinded. Um, I think you'll see uh, mass mandates in other areas and um, uh, drop in about the same time and we'll talk about that in a minute. So um, everyone's gonna ask me, what do you think about that, Dr. Ohl? And I said, I think it's okay. I mean, the mayor and I talked about it and I I think it's okay for the following reasons. One is as our case counts are coming down Um, and uh, at 43 today, we're going down by about seven uh, a day, uh, so by, uh, by March 1, we should be in a much more comfortable range for the number of cases being transmitted um, in the triad area. Uh, number two is, uh, is that the end of February, first part of March, is, uh, is when our respiratory viral season usually winds down. So influenza, other viruses, paraflu, RSV, all those little nasty bugs that like to make us uh, miserable with coughs and colds, uh, tend to start going down um, roughly at about the same time frame. And, uh, and the weather warms up, yes, it will warm up. Um, I've been told by my weather colleagues that it is coming. So people spend more time outdoors uh, rather than indoors. Um, humidity goes up a bit, temperature goes up a bit, virus doesn't do as well quite as much in those situations. Um, and then um, lastly, um, N95s are ubiquitous now and people can get them. And I'll show, tell people what to do with those in a minute. Um, and, then, um, and then we have more treatments coming online. Um, this week the state um, cut out a lot of the uh, restrictions on using StorMab which is one of our monoclonal antibodies that works against Omicron. We have a better supply of it now. So it's more widely available uh, for people for, uh, with underlying health conditions, including those with, um, with diabetes, heart disease, lung disease, kidney disease, as well as immunocompromised patients, cancer patients and such. So we have more treatments available. Paxlovid, the oral treatment's also becoming more available. So as treatments become more available, um, then we can give effective treatment um, to people who are at higher risk of having complications of COVID, which reduces the impact of the virus. <coughs> so, lots of reasons um, that um, we can uh, we can drop our uh, our mask mandate for indoor spaces. Now, having said that, um, while the mandate may be dropped, it doesn't mean that wearing a mask at times still might be a good idea and um, and let's go through a few of those when you still might wear want to wear a mask because masks do work um, n95s work very well for personal protection to show you how well they work when i see a patient with covid i put an n95 on and i can look down on that patient and they can breathe right on me and breathe the virus all over And if I have an N95 and I wash my hands and I have something in front of my eyes as well, I don't get COVID. And so if if they work for those of us in healthcare actually taking care of COVID patients, they're certainly gonna work for you uh, out in the community. KN95s are are just as good as long as you don't get a counterfeit one. There's a few of those out on the internet, so you have to be a bit careful. Um, And so, A high-grade medical mask um, could be worn if you are, um, say, more vulnerable. Let's say you have an immunocompromising condition, you can talk with your doctor if you're on that list or not. Uh, If you have other underlying health problems that make you at higher risk of having a complication with COVID, heart disease, lung disease, kidney disease, so on and so forth, had a stroke. and. Those would be people who still might want to wear a mask. And people over the age of 75 might want to wear a mask, particularly when going out um, in public areas, particularly in areas that are crowded. So I don't think I have to go through a lot of examples about crowded situations. Um, But let's say you're going uh, to um, uh, your kids' championship basketball game and the bleachers are packed. That's a crowded situation. You may want to wear a mask. (coughs) Um, Church, Easter Sunday, church is packed. Pews are crowded. You might want to wear a mask in that situation. Um, Standing in a long line full of people waiting for um, um, down at at the DMV, for instance, to get your license removed, you might want to wear a mask. Um, but otherwise, um, I think it'll be safe to take them indoors after the 1st of March, take them off. <clears throat> so for those who have are vulnerable or going into crowded situations where distancing is not possible, I think I'd still wear a mask. I plan on it. Um, so... Um, Well, does that mean this is permanent? Well, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I don't see any nasty villain um, variants on the horizon right now that worry me enough uh, to put our maskless state at risk. Does that mean one won't happen in the future? I'm not going to predict that anymore. Um, It's possible. And yes, we could have another surge. When might that happen? Maybe next fall or winter would be one place. As respiratory virus season wraps around again, so it could be that the masks will need to come back out. Um, but um, you know, now once our numbers coming down, and uh, we're going to have a nice spot. I think the goal is is to um, is to try to do and take away restrictions when the numbers are good. When the numbers are bad, we bring them back as if if and how we need them. Um, so uh, what about schools so I told you case numbers are coming down in schools although a little bit slower Um, will it be um, okay to to take away the mask mandate in school systems um, through and I'll say throughout the state um, because um, the uh, our numbers are all kind of the same um, at least in our urban areas and I would say yes. Probably roughly around the same time frame, um, it would be um, possible. Um, and for the same reasons that we uh, talked about it for um, for adults, apply also to the schools. Predominantly, that transmission will be going down. Um, respiratory viral season will be wrapping up, um, and um, and. Um, I think our kids will be okay um, to take the masks off sometime around the same time frame that we're doing it for the city. Um, Some school systems might want to delay a little bit, um, depending on what their numbers are and what their own situation is. Um, and um, um, So we'll have to see how that goes. So I do support that. there are good reasons uh, for kids to not wear masks as well, particularly the youngest kids, where um, being able to look at the mouth um, and speech patterns um, is helpful in early learning. Um, and then for activities um, that they can do um, that are easier with, without a mask on. Um, so I, I also support that and so um, in the next few weeks here, you're gonna be seeing a lot less masks, I think. And I'm okay with that. Um, and I think it's safe uh, and, um, to do so. Now, I wanna speak a little bit, particularly um, to the situation in schools, um, because one is that um, public transport, we still need to wear masks. mask. That's federal, federal law. Uh, So if you're on a city bus, you still need to wear a mask. Getting on an airplane, uh, you need to wear a mask. Walking into PTI airports, you still need to wear a mask. Um, And um, uh, school kids will still need to wear a mask on their school buses because that's actually federally regulated public transport. Um, So that would be an exception. Um, The other thing that I want to mention about schools is that um, there, are, there are still people who um, are anxious about taking the masks off in schools. Um, they're anxious for their child um, and, um, and they, they want to protect their child, like all of us parents want to do, is to protect our child from any kind of harm that could potentially come to them. And so there'll be some parents um, who will still want their children to wear masks. in the the school, and that's fine. Um, And I think particularly uh, for kids who have some health um, problems, um, such as asthma, which is common in kids, um, and and sometimes some other respiratory illnesses, which we see in children. Um, Some kids have uh, other underlying health problems, um, and they'll still want to wear masks um, while they're in school. I think as parents, uh, when we talk to our children, that we need to say, you know, even though it's okay for you to take your mask off when you go to school, when that is announced and that time is right, then um, talk to your kids about um, understanding that there will be still children who will need to have masks on, either because of health problems or because their parents want that extra degree of protection. Be supportive of that. Be understanding of that um, and we need to let our kids know that because um, certainly um, we don't want kids who still need to wear a mask or want to wear a mask in school um, be singled out or made to feel different. It is okay to still wear a mask. Um, so what we're kind of doing with all of this is shifting the responsibility for reducing viral transmission in public areas from that of a large social mandate or a community mandate where we all wear masks all the time. And we're shifting this to a personal choice and responsibility to wear a mask if you want to protect yourself. Because if you wear an N95, you can be surrounded with people who are unmasked and you're okay. You're not going to get COVID in that situation. S- surgical masks also work extremely well. Even cloth masks um, do a pretty good job. Not quite as good as the medical-grade mask, but pretty good. So um, if you're masked up, um, then um, even though the people around you are not, you can rest ease and you don't have to be anxious. It's okay. You'll be um, you'll be protected. You'll be fine. And um, So um, it's, you know, two years of wearing a mask. It's a little bit um, tough to kind of get used to the new paradigm, but it's an important stepping stone for us in the path to um, treating the virus as an endemic virus rather than a pandemic virus. We have a few other stepping stones to go, but um, this is a biggie. Um, And... um, um, and, and I support it. Um, so we'll be keeping an eye on things. We'll be keeping an eye on, our, um, on transmission in schools. We'll be keeping an eye on our community transmission. We'll be keeping an eye out for any nasty variants that might be on the horizon, because um, we can always bring these tools back that are effective to reduce viral transmission if we need to. Um, Another word about schools, so um, there will be another change in in a little bit in in how schools do things. I think for most parents this will be kind of transparent, but it is also another significant step um, to treating the virus as endemic. And that's uh, how we do contact tracing. And so um, right now uh, in North Carolina uh, if you are a kid and you get COVID, uh, you'll get a call from a school contact tracer asking who you might have been around at school. And then we contact those people. We call them a contact. And if they're unvaccinated, they have to stay home for five days and quarantine until we can see whether or not they turn positive. Um, the, the change reflects that a child who is identified as being a contact whether at school or in the home, will still be able to go to school. They don't have to quarantine at home anymore. And that's huge because uh, during January, we had hundreds of kids having to sit out and quarantine, uh, doing virtual learning um, or, and driving their parents nuts, most likely, um, and, um, and they won't have to stay home anymore. They can continue to go to school if they're a contact. But they should get a test sometime between day three to five to make sure that the contact they had didn't infect them. And that test will be on the, um, on, the, uh, on the child. But also there are, and we now, at least here in Forsyth County, have testing available in every single school in our county. That'll be ramped up, I think, as of next week to, to include all schools. So that's pretty cool. So if your child gets the sniffles, he can get tested at school. Uh, if your child's a contact, he can get tested at school. But you don't have to sit and quarantine anymore. Um, but we'll still be doing some contact tracing. Some school jur- jurisdictions will be doing that for another month yet, just to keep track um, and see if we have clusters in our school because as we take the masks off, we wanna make sure that we're not having a rebound of cases. So contact tracing will still happen, but you'll be able to go to school. So uh, a lot of parents saying yay, a lot of kids saying, ah, I was hoping I could make a long string bake. But, uh, um, so that's another good stepping stone. A few other loose ends to talk about this morning. Uh, community testing. Um, still lots of tests available out there. Home tests are ubiquitous. Uh, the other day, going to shopping for Valentine's Day gifts, happened to notice that all of the pharmacies have, um, have rapid tests that you can purchase. Um, and get a free N95, by the way. A lot of them are still distributing. Um, and then um, you'll have the option of getting uh, tested at uh, one of the other community centers uh, for Wake Forest Baptist Health. Specifically, we have three free testing sites available. Uh, Here in Winston-Salem at Bowman Gray Stadium, Wilkesboro at the old airport, and then uh, in High Point at uh, Provincetown Mall. Um, And those sites, uh, uh, the dates are being extended uh, through the first part of March, Um, and so you'll be able to get a test with a rapid turnaround time, uh, 24 hours or less um, at those places. Um, So that's a great place to get tested and then that way you don't have to wait in the waiting room in urgent care and certainly don't want to be coming to the ED just to get the test. Um, So so still, testing will be out there and available. I wanted to bring up something else um, and this also reflects another pandemic um, that people don't think about every day, uh, and that's um, and that's HIV and AIDS. Um, so, um, we you know we've been dealing with COVID pandemic for two years. We have been dealing with HIV and AIDS since 1981. So that's what 40 years now. Um, and so, um, and we have been working um, on therapies for HIV and AIDS uh, over the time frame, and now HIV and AIDS is now a disease that people can live with uh, if they take their medicines, largely, so it's become like something like diabetes. Um, and, um, but um, we, the, the ultimate cure for HIV and AIDS has been elusive. And a vaccine for HIV and AIDS has been elusive too. And we won't go into all the technical reasons why it's hard for that, but it has to do with when you get a virus that infects the immune cells itself, it's tough. Um, so, um, but just this week announced um, a woman here in the United States who was cured of HIV and AIDS through a stem cell transplant. Now, you know, a stem cell transplant's not. Not the end-all answer <laughs> for the treatment for HIV and AIDS. Uh, for a lot of reasons, um, it's uh, it's tough to do. It's it's uh, risky in itself, um, and um, but it, for people who are who need it for their cancer and they also have HIV and AIDS, we've been able to cure now um, probably four people, three that have been confirmed. So that means we've learned a lot. Um, and we've learned maybe some approaches to the virus through this case and others that have taught us um, where to go and how to get at it. And, and so it's really a significant um, step um, for HIV and AIDS. So I'm an infectious disease doctor, so I can't forget about the other viruses, but, um, but that's a biggie, so if you saw that in the news. Um, So, um, I'll open it up uh, to questions. Colleagues in the media? Facebook colleagues? So someone had, they hadn't gotten their J&J booster, they've only had one shot, and they got Omicron a couple weeks ago, so they're wondering, should they still get a booster, and if so, when? Yeah, so if you got one J&J, you got Omicron a week ago or so, last month, let's say. Um, And by the way, how do you know you've got Omicron and not another variant? If you you developed COVID after the 29th of December or so here in the triad, you had Omicron because there wasn't really anything else circulating. Um, Do you need to still get boosted? I would. I would still get boosted. It turns out that um, to get the full gamut of immunity to protect you from serious disease, which is hospitalizations or death, you kind of need three immunologic stimuluses. Um, So you need two... two, you could do it different ways. You could have two vaccines and then get Omicron breakthrough infection and that's kind of like getting three stimuli. Or you could get Omicron first and then get two vaccines afterwards and that's three stimuli. So you want to add up to three. Now, immunocompromised people, you need a fourth dose, at least as we know now. Um, so the if you've had J&J, though, and then you get Omicron, I'd at least get one messenger RNA booster, at least one. If you want to get two, that's fine. It won't hurt you um, and just give you a little bit of an extra boost. Uh, and what do I mean by messenger RNA? That's either Moderna's or Pfizer's. Uh, here in the US. Um, the um, so that's kind of the way to look at it I think. Um, and um, Yeah, that's the answer to that question. if they got infected, do they need to wait like a week or two Yeah, there, there's no specific time frame for how long you have to wait after having Omicron before you get a vaccine booster. Um, You have to wait at least until you're out of isolation, um, which technically is five days, probably easier to wait 10. Um, I wouldn't wait more than 90 days, though, because that's all we have data for about how good Omicron natural infection is for providing immunity. So sometime between 10 days and 90 days. Um, you got that time frame um, to get those boosters um, and um, I think um, I think will there will there be a fourth booster for us non immunocompromised people probably not for a while um, I, I doubt it um, maybe next fall we'll have to see but uh, I don't think in the near future um, Three, because that, those three immunologic stimuli really work well. It's still around 90% protective for hospitalization and death. So that's good, um, that's real good. And we have a parent saying their child has two pediatric doses of the COVID vaccine. Can they get a booster when they turn 12? Yeah, so if you've had two pediatric doses of the vaccine, <clears throat> and here it's gonna get a little bit complicated, but you'll you're, you'll be eligible for a booster roughly five months after those two pediatric doses. So if that's before the age of 12, you'll get a pediatric dose. <laughs> if you turn 12 in that interim, then you'll get an adult dose, and, and which is okay. I I, I wouldn't hem and haw about the differences between those if you. Let's say though, if you if you if you wait six months, you'll be 12 and get an adult dose. Rather than waiting five months, that's okay too. If you want to wait that extra time, I wouldn't put it off too long. But um, and uh, and the, so the, the that age um, five to tw- five through 11 hasn't quite come up on booster time yet because i think we didn't have the boosters and we didn't have the original shots available to them what was it the last part of november so if you wait out five months it hasn't gotten there yet getting close but good question this person's asking they're unvaccinated and their family's unvaccinated can they still meet indoors if they wear it in 95. So if you're unvaccinated and your fellow family's still unvaccinated and you all want to get together, Mardi Gras. You want to have a Mardi Gras to get together, um, then, um, yeah, if you wear it in 95 you can do it. That's fine. That's good. I mean, unvaccinated people are kind of in that group of being vulnerable, actually. Uh, they may want to mask up. How many of them will, I don't know, but I'd recommend it. I just got a question. Of those same lines so it mask managed being lifted would you recommend that maybe those under 5 who don't have the option of being vaccinated might want to continue masking so what about the under 5 since we now have to wait till April <laughs> to get our under 5s vaccinated um would i recommend them continuing to mask you know um There's some ups and downs with that. Um, You know, until our numbers really come down, probably. I mean, once they get down below five per hundred thousand per day, then maybe it's not a big deal anymore. But, you know, the situations where you might want to think about it, daycare. Lots of viruses go around daycare. and. you know, um, other other places where you might have your child in a kind of a crowded situation. Um, visiting grandparents who are over the age of 75, they may want to mask. That's to help with the grandparent. So those would all be things where you might think about it. I mean, t- it's interesting, kids under the age of five actually do pretty well masking until um, you get down to the two-year-old range. but. So, um, yeah, I, I, I might. And, you know, then we don't have a lot of medical grade masks for that age group. Although I did notice this morning that uh, um, uh, DHHS, federal DHHS, says they're planning on distributing masks for small kids um, that are N95 equivalent. Um, so that's, that's good. Those, I don't know the time frame but they, that, that was in the media this morning. So cloth masks, um, that, the big thing is that it fits well and that it stays up over the nose. So. We have someone who is 79 years old. They would like to go to the gym to do a group workout. Is that safe? What should they do to be safe there? So if you're 79 years old and going to a group workout at the gym, I would assume you're in pretty good health. <laughs> so, um, and if you've had three shots uh, or the equivalent, um, yeah, I think I think it would be okay to go to the gym um, because in, in the in the over 75 group. Um, Having the two vaccines plus a booster um, is still pretty good um, as long as you know the, you don't have a lot of underlying health problems. Um, so I think it would be okay as our numbers come down. I don't want to wait a couple more weeks, but um, yeah. All right, so masks come off March 1 for all of the jurisdictions in the area that I'm aware of. Um, We'll see what the school board's final vote is. Um, And uh, it's also Fat Tuesday, right? So you can take off your COVID mask, put on your Mardi Gras mask. (laughs) We'll see you in two weeks, two weeks. Not meeting next week, two weeks.